This year is brought to you by Eshel Publications. Eshel Publications is a non-profit organization dedicated to spreading the Torah, Shiurim, and Sefarim of Rabbi Aaron Lapiansky. For sponsorships or more information, visit eshelpublications.com. Um, we now have to deal with one more real topic about the uh, MS of Torah, and that is confronting a lot of the chronology. So, let's look at both sides. And whenever we have a question, we need to look what are the facts on both sides, and then to try to find and understand where there is real contradiction up. The Torah tells us a picture of Bria Saolam. And we can date it, um, certainly from the end of Bria Saolam, and that gives us the, um, of, you know, 5,600 years, etc. that we have now. The, um, that's one thing that's clear in the Torah. We have everything created in different days, and all living things are created on one day. And then we have a marble ten generations later, um, and that's what we have in the Chumash. What do we see around us? If we look around at the world, we find, um, first of all, the, the earth has many rocks that are layers and layers and layers, um, uh, very clearly layered, obviously through a process of um, a a flood having deposited it, uh, dried out, hardened, and something deposited on top of it again and again. And you, you, you look at these, they also have Sometimes you have layers of like volcanic rock, which is very, very uniform. That's obviously done at one time. You have many, many layers of rocks. You also have embedded in the rocks all sorts of flowers and, and um, beings that belong in oceans, etc. They might be on top of a mountain. So um, to make those layers and layers and layers of rock, one obviously needs a very long time. I mean, we do see things that are layered and takes a very long time for it to happen. And we see with the naked eye many areas that are eroded, very clearly washed away, rocks washed away by water, and that takes a very, very long time to happen. We look in the ground and we find bones of all sorts of beings, bits and remnants of beings that existed. we don't have anything like it today. Animals are like it. Sometimes we just find just tiny remnants. A lot of a lot of things are tiny remnants. Sometimes we find almost complete skeletons of beings that are very different from what we have today. Um, we also know that living beings um, ingest certain substances that have radioactive content of a certain half-life. And once they stop, once they die, they stop ingesting it and you can measure out um, that half-life, how far it's gone, and uh, then you um, can work your way back and say how long it must have been dead. And we get to numbers that are hundreds of thousands of years minimal. Um, the dating is effective only, I think, for 600,000 years, if I'm not mistaken, but definitely much, much longer than 5,000, so on and so forth. And we don't have anything really written before those 5,000 years, um, but if you look around the world, those are things we find. We find different mineral deposits that are laid in a way 
must have taken a very long time, and so on and so forth. That is the picture we see in front of us. So on the one hand, the Torah gives the world, the age of the world at 5,700 uh, years, and um, the, uh, the uh, age, if we look around us, there are many, many, many processes that are by far longer than that. That is, those are the big questions, the big scientific issues with the account of says in the Torah. Let me, um, let's go over the range of things that um, have been said. There are two extremes, basically, just to give you a sense of how this has been reconciled. There, there have been two extremes and everything in the middle. One extreme is um, take what, it's, what science feels is valid um, and then we will see that as a fact. Um, then we will um, learn that the psukim to be allegories meaning those facts. So if science feels comfortable evolution is the right way, then evolution happened. When the Torah Sarkar created Adam, it means the first being that actually was a sentient, um, a morally sentient being is the one that the Torah calls Adam, the breathing of life into him meant giving him an ashama and so on, and, and, and that would fit the story that way. When the Torah said six days, those days um, mean really six epochs, and everything, basically, the Torah is kind of a marshal of sorts, or it's a, it's, an, it, it's, it's a metaphor in a very broad sense, and that's how it fits in. That is um, one direction of answering it. Um, and once again, I am definitely way too small to voice opinions about it. I just want to lay out some of the things. Um, the, uh, it, they, this was at the heart of a controversy recently, and um, where many gedolim came out against this approach. I'm not sure which elements, what elements, but, but it's there. Uh, I've heard it said over from Yaakov Weinberg in Baltimore that he felt very comfortable with the idea of human-like beings being around for a long time, and the Torah starts with what Adam as the moral being, and that when Akash Baal gave him the Shema. Um, I heard Bishmo, I cannot tell you if he said it or not, but that was one extreme, and again, I'm not sure what was brought to the attention of the Rabbanim who came out strongly against it, which attitude, which element, but um, that's one side of it. Um, the other side, the other extreme, let's call it, is A, that none of this is factually true. Scientists have just told us these things, but it's not truly true. Um, or, alternatively, that Akadosh Baruch who planted all this stuff in the ground to test our amuna. Um, that is the other extreme. So, when we're talking about extremes, we can start by saying that the science is the primary vehicle for literal truth, and the Torah will fit itself around science. Or, uh, similar to like the Ramban, who says, mm-hmm. the Ramban, when he asks a question about on, on um, Noah, that the Keshes did not start with the Mabul, because Keshes is a natural phenomenon, Rabban says, the, the Yavanim, or the, you know, which means the scientists, 
are right. We have no choice. We see it when you take any liquid and you shine light at an angle, it forms a cassius. So we must learn Pshat and the Pasuk is different. That's their approach. We will learn, um, we will learn the Pshat. It, it, science gives us the facts. And the Torah is going to mean what's true. And the Pesukim could be metaphors. That's one approach. Definitely many don't care against it. But it's there. Um, the other extreme saying so saying that that um, everything is an Israel from Baruch Hu, uh, that's that's that it's very interesting because scientifically that's a hundred percent a perfect theory in other words you're saying you're right you're right you're right it's just Baruch you can't disprove that point of view in any way it, it, it by by definition it's almost a tautology it fits exactly what science had in mind. So you're saying you're all right, and this is like an Israel. The reason why people feel highly uncomfortable to say that is it doesn't seem to be reasonable. Um, which once again puts us in an interesting position of is there an absolute universal reasonableness? Um, I'm, I'm not, again, I, I definitely sympathize very strongly with the position that it's not reasonable, but I just want to say if you're talking about an absolute truth, it's not reasonable. It's, reasonableness is a legal term. It's not a scientific term. And there's no reason why that should be more reasonable than something else. And therefore, it, it, it is an answer, but a highly dissatisfying one for someone who starts out with some sort of non-very-from uh, attitude. The, um, there have been a lot of shades in between, and I would like just to lay them out on the table. Uh, yes. Is that something? The last point that Ray was talking about in terms of that being sort of a reason, unreasonable, but right. you can't disprove that. You also can't really prove that. Right. You can't prove that. Yes. So, no, so, so if somebody, it, that position is, runs very well. If you start with the position you believe in the Torah, and someone comes along and says, well, I saw a dinosaur who was much older, and you answer, okay, Akash Baruch put it as an Isaiah. Um, for instance, let's, let's give me, uh, I'll give you an example. If, if someone comes to me and tells me that the person that you think is your wife is not really your wife. It's a shade, a, sh- uh, a mazik, a shed, that has impersonated your wife and knows exactly what your wife's like and is imic- mimicking her perfectly. Well, that statement cannot be proven or disproven because you haven't left me any way to distinguish between this phenomenal mimic um, who, is a, um, who is mimicking your wife versus your wife. Some people feel their wives mimic shades, but that's a, a side topic. At any rate, um, but, but I'm saying it, it's by definition, you can't, that, that is scientifically a thousand percent valid. It, it will not convince many, many people it might even turn off some people, but it's there. Just let's sort of get. Let's go back to um, different shades of, of the approaches. There is a um, Tiferet Yisrael who's also been kind of maligned because of it. But Tiferet Yisrael says something very interesting. He says it says in Chazal that Kashbrok created many worlds, destroyed them, said they're not good. Fully, finally built this world. So he writes, and it's, it's one of his Akdamas, I think it's called Archaim, and then one of the Akdamas, you can read it, and he says, take a look 
our measures like this, which people have left, that Chazal has proven it. You now, the, the, the science has proven it. You now find all these layers of bones and stuff which prove the happy world before they've been destroyed. Obviously, Akash built worlds and destroyed them. So, take a look how science and Torah fit perfectly. So, his understanding is that the Sheshes and Mebreshes start from our world, basically, or somewhere in the Sheshes and Mebreshes, there are, um, there are uh, worlds that came and were buried and came and were buried and were buried, and therefore we should expect to see a world that's built on many layers of all the worlds. Chazal says 900 some odd worlds, that Akash Baruch Hu said they are behind um, the um, it what what's been written against the first Israel is that um, th- th- what's written against the first Israel is that um, he is that that Chazal is not meant to be literal. The Darizal says it, it's not literal. The Chorus is not literal, which is there is just as an interesting side point. The same people who are very insistent that all Chazal have to be as literal as possible. This this Chazal. The fact that it stopped being literal. But uh, but upon it's there and they were um, and this is the way people felt about it. Could the I next yes. That's just another yes. issue with that. I mean, even if you want to say that there have been worlds that have been destroyed and, and rebuilt, this world it still would be according to the scientific view, would be more than five thousand. No, the, the worlds are here in this world and the last layer that we have it would be, in other words, all the layers of sediments and bones and stuff that we have were those past worlds who could have been 50 billion years or whatever it is and so on and so forth. Uh-huh. Um, those are some of the approaches taken. Another approach is um, that the six days, really each day had a, had a value in time that is comparable to um, many years of ours to billions of years, millions of years, I think Schroeder has been very popular with that, and, and so on. So when the Torah used the term day, and, and there's a simple reason for it, th- th- until there was a sun and a moon, the word day absolutely had no meaning. There's no way to call a day a day unless you calibrate it by sun and moon, and therefore it is um, a meaningless term, and it was an endless amount of time. The problem with that is the um, Torah does inject the sun and the moon on the fourth day, Living beings came on the fifth day, but it's been wor- uh, uh, he, somebody in Shroud has really, really been working a lot on this. And this is the stuff he presents. Um, I'd like, I guess, to to put in um, my own issues and the way uh, and the things I would see. My um, my general sense is that I'm very, very wary of any theory that can explain the Maisabratius in a very clear way so that we can actually put down uh, how long it's, it's been and what happened this second, that second. Um, somebody, um, Rav Lichtenstein in Gush once said, I think, a very, very true point. He said uh, in a writ, Misha mitchaten im hador im azeh mit almen mehador meaning anyone who marries this generation becomes widowed to the next generation. When you make these wonderful Torah sheets that fit science perfectly, and you get this perfect match, science turns around and changes 50 years later, and you're left with no science and no Torah. And I, I really don't think that it's, 
that it's a very healthy or smart idea. Some people feel very comfortable with it. You, you make hire somebody and you give them this wonderful book and everything fits perfectly well. For most people, it's a hump. Evolution is relevant when they're struggling for Yiddishkeit. Afterwards, what they really care about is um, where does a good guy close a restaurant? The evolution stops being meaningful. But, um, it, you know, but, but I'm weary of that approach. What are the things that we do see and what are the things we have to deal with? The first issue is as follows. Had a Kodeshpokal created the world 5,600 years ago, 700 years ago, and the world would have been created then and then left with everything on it, we would not have any sense of a natural world. I mean, you walk outside, the ground is virgin soil, it's very clear it was created 5,000 years ago, so somebody must have put everybody here. Um, the one thing that we need to bear in mind is that you can never find God in the details. Um, the so-called God particles is stupid. There is no, no physicist will get to a point that will say, aha, this point has no explanation, this is God pulling the strings. There will always be tomorrow another explanation and a question a step further. The place to look for God is in the forest rather than in the trees. A person has to look back and say, oh my gosh. It's, it's like when you have, a, when you, when you have a, a defendant on the stand, and the defendant is very wily, and he has an excuse for everything you've brought up. At the end of this discussion, you say, Mr. Roberts, we have 55 incriminating pieces of evidence and we have 55 different answers for each one, amazing in their own right, the combination of which is just mind-staggering. So you happen to have helped next-door neighbor put his bandage on, and that's why there's blood on, on, the, on, the, on, on your floor. Um, you had an old gun that was, you were cleaning out, and that's why there's a bullet shot there. You had this and this. Hello? You know, 55 coincidences where the odds are 1,000 against each one, really, really begs um, some, you know, some other answer. So I'm not going to find God at any point. I can't get to a situation where I go back to my backyard and I look around and tell the scientists, hey, where did the oil come from if, it's, if, if the world is 5,000 years old? Where, where, I need mountains, rocks, and so on. The world is built, the world is built Teva and Akadosh Baruch who go hand in hand. Everything has a natural explanation, everything has a second explanation to it. And the Korach HaPchira is to understand, when I talk with somebody and he's lying in a way that the facts don't match up, the computer can catch it. But if his facts can work out, it's my sense of, I don't know, it's a story and I think it's a lie. So the world needs to have a natural history built into it there needs to be a sense of it being a world that formed by nature. You couldn't have a perfect world with no sediments, no mountains, or that. So, so there has to be some debris like that. I could have spoken in a world with trees, with grass. Instant grass means that the grass has um, a whole system. It, ta it takes you, um, if, if somebody were to take out shrubs and, and ask how old are these shrubs, well, from the time you plant the first uh, 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 branch and then uh, totally becomes a full shrub, it's a period of time. It can't happen overnight. 
but so the man it says was created a full-grown person so did he have baby teeth or not these are famous old Christian things did, did Adam have a navel he certainly did and because that's what a person is but because you you couldn't if Adam did not have a navel and not have anything you're starting a world with not natural beings so the world needs to be natural even in terms of its history just like we, we can go the people who say doctors can't heal you and they mean it literally are stupid the people who are the very wise people and say doctors and medicine are great but at the end have depth um, it's, it's, it's the, the difference between the, the naive fool who, who never bothered to look at nature or the one who says nature is fantastic but there's something behind nature is worlds apart so the world must come to us in a naturally formed way um, it, it, it's interesting also how did they first ascertain or not ascertain not the right word hypothesize the age of the world and the answer is very simple how long would it take for a mass of hot liquid uh, rock and metal to cool down and form a ball um, the, the, that we have that, that was what it's based on in other words geology says if we to start with a nervous uh, hot uh, ball of elements how long will it take to be where we are and, and the answer to that is yes it's, 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 it's an enormous time but that's how it's calculated with a presumption of a natural process so definitely the world itself um, has a natural process locked into it. Uh, personally, I feel that that's comfortable to answer the geology parts of it. I'm not so comfortable that this is a great answer for um, paleontology. Um, I, a natural process includes rocks having hardened, solidified, stratified, and layers and layers and layers being built on it. Um, personally, it just doesn't just doesn't sit well as far as the dinosaur stuff goes. Yes, Christmas. So what Rebbe is saying is the world has to have a natural process behind it. Yes. At least the appearance of a natural yes. process behind it. Right. Now, let's, let's take a look at that process we're talking about. There are three ways in which it could have happened. Um, and one way is God created an earth, let it set and cool down for 600 million years, or whatever it takes to cool down, and then put into place which is I guess the extreme pro-science shita um, this, the other extreme would be Akashkov just dropped a ball into the world that is that is um, looks like it's 600 million years which I guess we could call the other extreme on a personal level what seems to me a little more reasonable and I'll explain to you why um, is let's take an example this is to me, again, on a personal level, this speaks to me more than the, than, than the other nuances. Let's say a person um, goes shopping, and one of the things, he wants to buy a pair of jeans. And being that he's kind of cool, he wants to buy a pair of, I think they're called pre-washed or pre-faded jeans. Yeah, so, something like that. You're, you're the, the wrong guy. Yeah. Okay, well, <laughs> at least in my days, that was cool and hip, and I think it was called pre-faded or pre whatever now somebody brings it home and his friend asks him um, wow you look like you've had these jeans for a long time 
They must be 10 years old, these genes. What's the answer to that? Well, yes and no. In, if 10 years means that 10 years ago I had it in my closet, no, 10 years ago this was not even cotton in the field, so I couldn't have had it in the closet. If it means that it's going to rip in a month or two because the threads are very, very worn out, if it means that, that the dye is going to be turned very white in a month, the answer is yes. It's got properties of a 10-year-old pair of jeans, but it, in fact, has not been around. Um, a second example, I had a friend of mine who manufactured kosher cheese in a country that you couldn't import hobby-salt cheese, and I started asking him about aged cheeses in six months, and he laughed, and he said, all it is is milk with enzymes and the flavoring you put in, and whatever aged cheese you want, I can make it for you. So if you want year-old cheese, I can do that. I can have it, it, it have enough mold on it as if it had been laying in my basement for the last 15 years. Whatever you want. I just got the ingredients and put them in. So now, if somebody looks at that piece of cheese, and he asks himself, is this six-month-old cheese or three-day-old cheese? Depends. It will have the same biological effect on you as six-month-old cheese. It might be harder to digest. The fat content, the protein content, whatever it is, the, the taste. Was it in your closet? Was it in your, in, in your kitchen uh, three weeks ago? The answer is no. So it, 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 the partial answer is you can treat it as if it was six months old. You cannot treat it as, uh, you can't treat it as if it's old. In fact, it has been there only three days. Uh, the same thing with a person. Let's take a person who's gone through a horrifying traumatic experience. And he looks 10 years older. He's turned white. He has furrows on his brow. He, 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 he is pale and so on. Is he, is he 40 years old or 60 years old? Well. 40 years ago he was born, but his body should be treated the way a six-year-old body is treated. He's prone to the same diseases, uh, whether it's diabetes or uh, hardening of arteries or whatever it is. It, so he has a six-year-old body and can be treated as such biologically, but in fact hasn't been around. Um, the, it says Chazal say that Adam and Chava went onto the bed and two and came down four. Whatever it means, and these are things very, I, I know Chazal, it's, it's very hard to know exactly, it means the processes were extremely rapid. And the world needed to be put into place, needed to be populated, and this is one of the reasons, by the way, that I have a problem with the, when it says that, that the world was around 100 million after scientists, and then I can just put in a shaman. It seems to me a little strange that it's since the only point of creation is mankind with Kohabhira to have dinosaurs whacking each other for tens of millions of years for no reason, well why not Kashbara just start with people? Um, it, 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 it's, it's not clear, um, you know, it doesn't make any sense that way, but be it as it may, um, we can talk about processes happening at accelerated rate. Um, all, you know, the, the scientific measures are predicated on two very important principles that are not to be taken for granted. One is, what's the starting point? In other words, when you want to date something, like carbon uh, dating, so you have to say, it's, you, you, uh, you started with this amount of carbon, and it disintegrates at such and such a rate, and therefore we subtract one from the other, and, and that's what we get. I don't th think that 
we have no way of saying what we started with, and we have no way of knowing that the earliest Kufa had the same rate as we have today. Um, this is just from the Torah that we have. Uh, the formation of the world was very quick. Things happened, it was populated very quickly, and obviously certain the, the processes had to be very sped up, and therefore we don't have any real indication of what was. So the two scientific bases for how does it take to layer stuff on the earth? Well, you start with the premise of what was the starting point, and then what's the layer, that, how long does it take, the rate that it takes, and that's what you get. But let's say both points are open for argument. What, it, what was the kind of starting point in the world, and were the processes identical? Those are the two major issues with the dating. Um, there's another point that leaves us in the dark. Um, there are three periods that the Torah describes to us that we really are clueless about. One is Briyas Olam. There is nothing in Chumash that explains Briyas Olam to us. Chazal told us, the morale says nothing can perceive its own formation. We, we don't have any information at all about how the world was mechanically created. All we can say, the only facts of the Torah for sure are the world is put in by a Kaddish Baruch Hu purposely. It did not evolve by itself. There is a division of six or seven periods called days. We're not sure what the first three days of the sun moon means even. They're called the Ereva Evoker. You know, it's hard to know what there was, what kind of light there was, and so on. And we know that each period is associated with something. But the exact mechanics of it are unknown to us. So when we ask ourselves what does the Torah say, we really, really don't know for sure. It, you know, we, don't, we, don't know, we don't have any way of, of, of putting it into mechanical terms, physical terms. The second period is, we don't know, the way the Torah describes the first kuf of mankind until the flood is strange. People live ages that we can't fathom. What, what was, was, was man different? Was the world different? The world was different about the world. Obviously something was different. The Ramam says there were differences. No idea. No idea. No, no, no chazal to enlighten us in terms of, of, of science. There's no way to talk about it. Um, the Torah mentions two things. The, 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 you know, Tovel Kai, the, the, the father of the guy who makes music, and the father of the person who made ammunition of, 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 of swords. What, what, what about everything else? How did they find out that Chachma? Um, was it hardwired? That Kachbach would teach it? Did people figure out things much quicker? No, today it takes 100 years to develop something. Maybe they didn't have the FDA in those days. And those days, obviously, people needed to know immediately skills how to plow a field, how to cook a meal. Um, how to make a bar mitzvah. People needed to know skills right away, uh, to live, clothing. Um, what exactly was it like? I don't think we, w- the Torah does not give us any picture. Chazal don't enlighten us. Chazal tell us that that whole first period of races and the period afterwards, we know zilch. The passages reading the Torah are strange and mysterious. We have the nefilim, who are the nefilim, what were the nefilim. So, we, we really have a big question mark in that whole intermediate period and what it looked like and uh, maybe the world was constantly being savaged. The next point that we don't have any real clue about is the model. Um, well, scientists, every, depending, every so often they say 
they found no clues to the flood, and once in a while they come up with uh, stuff that seems to prove the flood, and so on. But the real issue is, we, don't know, we have no idea what the flood is. First of all, what does it mean that the home was opened up? Did, did lava pour out from the bottom? What was, what, what was, it, there was hot water coming from the top and from the bottom. Where did the water go to, all that water? Where did it disappear to? Um, the, 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 the Gemara, the Chumash tells us that he made a bris with Noach afterwards that Chorev and Kayetz and Yom Yishbosu, it seemed as if nature as we knew it had come to a standstill. It wasn't just a heavy rain. It, it seemed to be a total um, revolution of all of nature gone haywire. What would that look like in the finished product? Maybe every day it rained, wiped out a whole layer, hardened into rock, and again you had... I, 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 did radioactive things act differently? Was it atom bombs? I don't know. You know, the tool, all we know from the Torah is it was a, an event unparalleled, not unparalleled, completely out of the realm of the natural. No details. Um, what, what do we... So, we, how much of what we see... Um, massive changes, animals that disappeared and so on were wiped out by the marble, but they're in different layers because the marble laid down different layers. Maybe every day was a new rain and the heat fused it. I don't know. I, I, I could sit and think of millions of theories, um, each one as fantastic as the other, simply because I have no facts, total facts go on. And the final thing that we really don't have any clue about is, and that's the final leg of, uh, of the uh, um, unknown, would be Dora Flogger. Um, the Rambam mentions this in Morne Vuchim. The Rambam says that Dora Flogger was the... Um, it, it, the Torah goes into detail about Dora Flogger to tell us the, um, how it is that there's such a wide diversity of um, human cultures in the time period that's meant to be. 5,000 years is not a lot of time. Um, the, the Rambam was a little bit less than 5,000 years. And yet, you have so many cultures that have been developed. Is there any explanation for it? So many different languages that are totally unrelated to each other. So the Rambam says, that's what the Torah tells us about the Raflaga. There was an accelerated splintering of humans all over. Um, how did we get people to be in America? Where did Indians come from? Where did Australian Aborigines come from? And these are different, diverse people. Well, the answer is Dora Flaga, which means, basically, Akadosh Baruch Hu brought into the world a splintering, an unnatural accelerated splintering. Um, that accounts for all the different cultures and different people of the world. So, basically, Starting at the point of a Maimon, I have to admit that there are three or four areas in Chumash that we have a very hard time knowing what it is, because the Torah doesn't tell us, Chazal don't tell us. Um, and, and having those big question marks means basically that I'm open to many possibilities. I do not feel... Um, I, I do not feel qualified, and I don't think anyone is qualified, to put in theories. You're talking about cosmic events and um, no real way of uh, 
of no real clues in the Torah and science also. So by and large, somewhere between the two is I think where the answer lies. Um, you have um, uh, the need for a natural history. So we, we will look into the world and the world that we see, there is nothing by looking under a microscope that will tell us, oh, God is here, God is there. If somebody would have t- done an autopsy in Adam Arishon, then um, he would not have found a body that looked like he was born at the age of 20, which is what Chazal say he was like when he was born. I mean, he, he, he would have had all the things that, um, are, are, are all the marks that a grown-up human being has of having been born and developed. Um, I, I think that's obvious. So the world has a natural history geologically um, and, and uh, possibly in other things as well. The, the Torah, Bracious was a kufa, unlike anything that we had today. And we don't have any real clue of how things developed. The marble, there were beings that are lost forever. It's very clear that the Torah says there are all sorts of... Um, there was all sorts of life between the Bria and the marble that's lost. The extinct animals is definitely something very clear. Um, we also know that there were processes that happened. The, the dynamics of the world between Bracious and the marble were different. The Chazal, for instance, say that the introduction of extreme climates um, it started with the marble. It says the reason why they did, the reason why they were, did Averis is because the weather was spring-like all year round, and when people don't have harsh weather climate, they sit and do Averis. All Averis happen places with nice climates by the beach. That's, a, that's the places that are prone for Averis. And, you know, if it's very, very hot or very, very cold, it's sort of the Chesh of Averis kind of is not there. So you have a... Um, um, so, so, so we made uh, we made seasons. What does it mean to make seasons? I mean, the world changes. Everything has to be very different. Um, the 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 marble itself, from what the Torah says, is what does it mean that the homos opened up? Um, are we talking about superheated water? Are we talking about lava? Are we talking about gases? I don't know. I, I just don't know. And and. Um, what, what's the pressure of so much water on the earth due to it? These are all things that um, just leave a big question mark. Sometimes people feel that it's important that they, they calculate, they work it out, and they sort of present it as being, um, as being they've matched up the science of the Torah. I'm personally wary of it. Um, and then on, on the cultural level, the Dora Flaga is something that is a clear event that changed the shape of, of, of the human race in terms of the peoples involved. So all in all, um, the, the questions exist. It, the simple account, or I should say the simpleton account of Bria is certainly not what you see around you. I don't think it's something we should see it as such. What, what, I mean, when Torah says there was light the first day, and then there was, you know, there were questions, no sun and moon, where was the light? There was a morning and a night, where, where was there, how was the morning and night if there's nothing that you, that you can calibrate it with. Um, what does it mean the world is, 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 is 5,000 years old if there were three quote-unquote days that existed before the sun and the moon? 
Um, I don't know answers, and I'm not sure that there are any answers that have anything to base themselves on. Um, those are things that, so we need on the one hand to understand the fundamental that the Torah says is a Bria, evolution is wrong, not the etzim. It's clearly wrong, not as a mechanical device, but rather as an explanation for the, um, what's the right word for it, uh, for the ontology of the world. In other words, the purpose of the world. Evolution is purposeless, but rather result of something. The Torah says purposeful um, an act of someone. That's a clear uh, uh, distinction that's very clear. This is Emerson Zeshecker. Um, the mechanics through evolution raises a lot of issues of why does one need it. Um, it also means stretching a lot, a lot of Torah to its utmost. Um, on the other hand, these things exist. Um, we have bones of animals that are not here. The places where they're buried are very deep. Stratus take a long time to, to, to land, and so on and so forth. So, so, but, but, but we have so many unknowns here that none of these questions can be cautious. Um, the Torah itself, once we're not sure what the Torah says, and we have four points, four big passages where we really don't have the understanding, so the answer will probably lie somewhere there. That's, in my mind, the best way to deal with those issues. You obviously are, this obviously is good for someone who's starting as a Maimon, but needs to look at other information that's brought to him. Um, I, I guess cure movements have found themselves to do very well with some of the other approaches where people package a very clear system that seems to work well with Torah and that, fine. Uh, no no uh, issues with that. That That is as far as I can um, deal with these issues. Yes, sir. So, in the end of the day, Rebbe basically would say, is, you know, when faced with these sorts of questions, I mean, that's an obvious question if you meet somebody who's, right. you know, not... Uh, religious or not Jewish, as you going to say, I mean, do you really believe, most people are familiar with the story of, you know, Bereshit, right. Genesis, and will say, so, I mean, what do you do with evolution, and what do you do with, you know, the age of the universe, and just basically lay out, well, you know, there's a lot of unclear right. things there, and it's just... Uh, yes, in other words, w w sometimes, when, when, let's say, a court it has a case brought in front of it, um, most of the time, uh, the most honest, um, the most honest evaluation will be, well, these are blank areas that we don't know. There are quite a few ways. It, the, the, the point that science has brought to the fore, which are the facts, rather than the, um, the, the hypotheses that's meant to unite the facts, are there. The Torah can cope in a few ways. That's what that's, I usually, that's my approach to people. There are a few ways to understand the Torah. Um, you can pick different ways. I'm, I'm, I'm not sure about if we can make a determination of what's fear when, when Gdolm came out against one approach. Um, I guess it was, it was it's something which in Ruch from Menu, whether you can actually decide that it's fear. I'm, I'm not sure. I'm just not sure how to base it. I mean, it, it, the, the Psukim certainly are, don't have a pshat as such. Um, the only thing that's clear is saying the world came into being versus the world was brought into being. But, but any other um, framework of it um, could be brought in. The question is, 
if anything, I guess the sentiment is it's Megala Panamitoshal Kalocha, that there's an extraordinary stretch in it. I also want to um, I- I- explain one thing. It's very clear when you read up on paleontology and so on, everyone seems to agree to some of the basic facts, but it's a puzzle that keeps changing all the time. It's not as if, okay, this is a puzzle with a million pieces, and they put in a hundred pieces into place, and they, each piece gets put in place. Almost invariably, they have to keep reshifting things, because there's so much unknown and so much unclear. It's not as if even these layers are not neat. Very rarely do you find, oh, this, the, always the fourth layer down has a little atom like this, and the fifth layer has this. They change. And after they cast, there's always, there have been issues sometimes, you're not sure which is the top layer or the bottom layer because of the upheaval during some sort of earthquake or anything. You could just flip around everything. And things are never clear. Um, and that's why there's always a resizing things. Um, the, 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 the fossils uh, uh, have some interesting things in themselves. They, they in no way even begin to, to, no way even begin to indicate the entire theory of progression that science would like to see. Um, it, it, it's, it's not. It doesn't, doesn't exist like that. Um, so it's not as if the scientists have very clear theory and so on and so forth. They have a lot of points. They have not really developed a good theory. Uh, they have every time, and then it gets shifted around. Keep reading. Go, go through, or if you keep reading like uh, science magazine stuff, uh, every time there's a new discovery, and a lot of times it shifts things around. So it's not as if the world is very certain. Um, it's not as if uh, they have a very clear theory that's which to the test of time or anything. It's groping and trying to put together a picture that's puzzling even from the facts on the ground. So Al-Gapanim, we, we don't have to feel that there's, in the big picture, there's anything in any way that sort of disproves the Torah. But we, sh- we need to deal with the points as they come. So that's an everything is cloudy. Yes, it's true. Everything is cloudy. Um, and, and it is like that. It's, it's science itself has not produced a clear picture. Um, it's, it's, it's ideas, and they just keep reaffirming the ideas. Um, th- that is very correct. Okay, so with that, basically, we've, um, so we brought, I would say, uh, the first part of our series to an end, which was basically laying out the basic tenets of the Torah in terms of Torah and Shemayim, the points that push a person to believe in that direction, the point that might oppose it, and um, the issues with the with the various approaches and so on and so forth. Okay. Uh,